Hello and welcome to the NerdGoblin.com podcast. I'm Guy, and with me as always is Bill. This podcast is an extension of the NerdGoblin.com website, a website providing news, articles, and entertainment as it relates to nerd culture, including games, TV, movies, books, and comics. We want to thank you for tuning in and listening. We truly appreciate our fan support, and it's why everyone at NerdGoblin.com works so hard on the content we produce. Before we dive into this week's episode, please take a moment to visit us on social media, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our Twitter page. Liking and reviewing this podcast on the iTunes Store, SoundCloud, or wherever you download your podcast would be greatly appreciated. And please, share Nerd Goblin with your friends. Alright, so we're back with another episode of the Nerd Goblin Podcast, and as promised, this week we're going to be talking about The Walking Dead, in particular the mid-season finale, but also we'll probably delve into a few episodes prior to the mid-season finale, in particular the question mark on what happened to Glenn, as we had discussed a few podcasts ago. I will put this on the table now, everything going forward is going to be spoiler and speculation filled. We're going to be talking about things that both happened in these episodes, and we're going to be discussing what we think is going to happen in the future, both based on speculation and what we know happens from the comic book series. If you haven't seen the most recent episode, or if you don't want to be spoiled by anything that could potentially be coming because of our knowledge of the comic book series, you might want to stop this podcast. Otherwise, we're going to go ahead and jump right in. So, Bill, let's start out this week with the last thing I think we talked about when we were discussing The Walking Dead is Glenn Dead. We know now he's not, and back then, I was on the fence thinking maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I wasn't sure. You were a little more towards yes, but also a bit on the fence, and our buddy John, who used to do the podcast with us, was pretty adamant that he wasn't dead. So, uh, yeah, why don't we get started there in that discussion, and, you know, what do we think about how he, as we know, didn't die, and that episode, and, of course, subsequent episodes. I hedged my bet when I stated my position on whether Glenn was dead or not, but if I had to bet on it, I would have bet he was dead. And my thinking behind that is, I just didn't think that the creators of the show were going to go that much deus ex machina on this. It just seemed like saving him required some contriving of the plot. I mean, he crawled underneath a dumpster, basically, to get away. And yeah, let me, we, let me throw yeah, this we, in here we, talk, we talked about this in private. Go ahead. Yeah, my comment to you after that episode, maybe a day or two later, was, have you in your life ever seen a dumpster that stood so high that you could physically crawl underneath it? I mean, I've seen dumpsters. If I drop my keys underneath them, they're gone forever. <laughs> so what was up with this dumpster that it must have been two feet off the ground? Well, dumpsters could be moved, right? So first of all, I'm not exactly an expert in dumpsters, but it's something that pretty much everybody who's ever seen a dumpster is familiar with, right? And no, I've never seen one that a person could crawl under. And by the way, I mentioned another thought, and that's how easily moved they are. I mean, generally, they're either on stilts or wheels, and unless they're filled to the brim with, like, heavy refuse, you know, they could be moved very easily. So, like, a herd of zombies, eight, six, eight zombies even, pressing up against them would move it no problem. I'll buy that maybe it was pushed up against that fence and there was nowhere for it to go. I'll, uh, I'll buy okay, that. Okay, let's let go of that. Let's focus more on the how was a, a dumpster high enough that Glenn could crawl under it. And not for nothing, I did a quick Google search on the images for dumpsters and, you know, you see hundreds of dumpster pictures pop up. And I didn't see a single one that I would believe a person could crawl underneath. Like, not an adult, anyway. I mean, maybe a small child. Like, maybe maybe some of them might have been as high as six inches tall. But 
I, I just I don't see that happening. That's goes to support what I'm saying about I felt like it was a little too contrived to save him, and that's why I didn't believe it would happen. But you know what? Let, let's let that go. We're living in a world of walking zombies, and we don't want to cling to uh, 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 reality too harshly here, or we're going to spoil, basically ruin the entire series for ourselves. The bottom line is he's alive, and it's great because everybody wanted him to be alive, right? I mean, I, maybe we just don't need to question the how or the why and just embrace the fact that it's a character we all like and we don't want him to be dead. Yeah, there's something that you and I talked about, and I've seen it argued on the internet more than a few times. Whenever somebody says, like, oh, that doesn't make sense, how did that happen? Someone always points, like, it's zombies, it's not reality, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we accept that this is a fantasy world where there are zombies walking around, but that said, our perception of the rest of the things happening in that world have to go in line with what we accept would really happen, right? So even though we're going to say we suspend disbelief about the whole um, dumpster thing, because it's a fantasy zombie show, it's we still expect the rules of the world and physics and everything else to exist within this fantasy zombie world, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think in any kind of show like this, and I don't just mean the zombie genre, I mean sci-fi, fantasy, etc., I think we do suspend belief according to the rules that they set forth. It's like the creators of the show can write the rules for us, and we accept them, and we dwell in them, we live in them, along with their characters. But then, in addition to that, they have to abide by all the other rules of existence that maybe were not so set forth in their description or the creation of their of their world. And and definitely it does ruin our suspension of disbelief for this kind of thing. But l- let's not dwell on that too much. Uh, we we actually brought that up I think in the in the last uh in one of the last times we talked about this. So I'd really like to go into just a rundown of what happened in this episode and how we think it's going to pan out, and, and so on and so forth. By this episode, you mean the finale. The season finale, correct. The season finale. We're beyond the Glenn issue. Glenn's alive, and we know Glenn's alive because we watched it. Now, the rest of the characters don't know this yet, although Maggie, you know, believes. She's been believing the whole time. It's, I guess, what carries her sanity and her ability to, you know, continue living on that and that and her unborn child, right? Which she also lets on. We as fans were driven to suspect it based on behavior, but she actually announces it and tells someone in this in this last episode. But we also have basically the balloons, right? We we know that he and Enid let up the balloons the previous episode as the combination of some kind of signal to the Alexandrians and their friends, as well as maybe something to distract zombies, although I'm I'm not sure the zombie herd has the inclination to follow a bunch of balloons blowing in the wind. Yeah, maybe if it were like fireworks with explosions, like there was a zombie movie, I forget which one, something of the living dead, one of them, where they had this big tank of a truck and they would shoot mortar fireworks up to distract the zombies. That I could buy, but yeah, balloons, eh, why would they even notice them? Yeah, so in any event, like in Maggie's mind, that's that convinces her that Glenn's alive. Now... Where we last see Maggie, let's talk about that for a moment. She's probably the main character that looks like she's in the most trouble. And that's saying quite a lot, considering everybody else's circumstance at the end of this episode. So the zombies break through the wall after the tower falls. And what caused the tower to fall? I'm forgetting. Uh, was it, uh, did it just the wolf, out? 
the the wolf drove the truck into the tower, and it was basically just structurally unsound. I okay, guess. Okay. Yeah, right? that's that's sort of the explanation that I had in my mind too. So the tower just falls, basically because it's been damaged, and when it falls, it takes a segment of the wall out with it, and in comes the herd of zombies. Basically, it catches the entire town off guard. There's a mad dash to you know either find safety or fight their way away. This was not a circumstance that it looks even remotely possible to like kill enough of the zombies to you know create safety. And basically, different little pockets of the characters are caught off by themselves. And when I say Maggie was perhaps in the worst circumstance, number one, she's alone. And if I'm not mistaken, she's the only character that's alone. And number two, she basically, by the skin of her teeth, by the you know edge of her pants, literally, manages to climb up the wall and get on one of the parapets on top of the wall. And that's where we leave her. And I forget if that's where she saw the balloons and it gave her a moment of hope or if she saw the balloons before that and had it. But basically, that's where we leave her off with. I thought she saw the balloons and she was like running to Rick to say like they're alive they're alive or something yeah that's I, I have the vague rec- I don't know it's been a couple weeks now I have a vague recollection of like something like that That sounds about it so we're left with her in that situation we don't know what's going to happen I mean if we're going to use our imagination and speculate a little bit there's going to be some kind of Glenn rescue involved I mean right now there's only two groups of people uh, five of them that are outside the wall and they're separate Glenn and Enid are one of them, and they're having their own little conflict because Enid wants to do her, uh, what is it, just just stay alive? What was it? No, just, just survive somehow, JSS. She wants to do her little JSS thing. What would Jesus do? <laughs> Every time I saw that, I'm like, oh, God. Let's sidetrack one second. What do you think the deal is with Enid? I'm not even sure yet. Like, originally I thought maybe she was one of the wolf people, like a spy or something. I'm not sure I believe that anymore, but I don't know why. I mean, she helped Glenn. I'm convinced she's not part of them. She's nothing to do with them. She's not a spy. She has nothing to do with it. The wolves got in by finding uh, the pack that had the the pictures and the maps and everything uh, when they attacked uh, Daryl and um, and I'm forgetting his name. What's his name? The homosexual introductory guy, the guy who introduces the group. Aaron, it's Aaron. Aaron, right? yeah. They they find Aaron's group uh, pack, and that's how they get introduced. So Enid's not a spy. She's just damaged goods is the best description. She's been traumatized. She's, you know, basically like everybody else. You know, she's suffering mentally from the, uh, the whole zombie apocalypse. And so she's got like this little shtick where Jess survives somehow. And whether it's an homage to her family to continue surviving or whether it's her own animal instinct, that's what it is. And she does this by not making attachments, by not clinging to other people. She feels like she's, you know, better off just like kind of going on her own. And, you know. So do you think that she is like just a loner then? Yes. Like maybe her family's dead or something? Yeah, her family's dead. She, I, I think it was pretty implicit that she watched her family get killed and eaten in front of her when she uh, got herself into the car. And then, yeah, she's just a loner. She just survives on her own. So now her conflict with Glenn is, Glenn is, you know, part of a community, part of society still, even though it's a small, tattered society, and she's not. So he has this compunction to want to go save his wife and unborn child and all of his friends, and she has no attachments. She just wants to live on her own. So I think we're going to see this conflict play out in, uh, hopefully, I guess, maybe a way that... uh, converts Enid into becoming re you know reacclimated to their little group and in in society I think she's an interesting character I think the actress that plays her does a good job and I, I suppose that's always something in the back of my mind for wanting a character to live or die on the show 
Sure, yeah. There's a character in the comic book series on the current story arc named Lydia. Lydia is the daughter of a group of other quote-unquote survivors, but the way they survive is pretty interesting. Anyway, Lydia and Carl, I guess you could say become an item. Carl loses his virginity to her. By the way, the comic book has fast-forwarded a little bit in Carl's you know, teenage years. I was suspecting that maybe this Enid character is a replacement for that Lydia character and probably introduced so early because the real actor that's playing Carl, he's getting older. Like, you know what I mean? They, like, they're trying yes. to develop a storyline that is in line with him being a little bit older and more mature and into things like girls and whatnot. So I sort of suspect that that's what they're doing with this Enid character, which makes me wonder then, is she just alone or could she be a part of this other group? that uh and again i call them survivors the way that they survive and again we said spoilers so here you go in the comic books this group is called the whisperers and what they do is they dress up like zombies including wearing dead skin masks and they move amongst herds of zombies that's how they survive so anyway i'm curious if maybe it turns out that she is in fact from that group of quote-unquote whisperers Maybe we'll find that out way down the road. Maybe maybe I'm totally off base and I'm just, you know, speculating for for, for the hopes that they integrate that storyline into the show. You know, who knows? It's something interesting to talk about. And I would guess that we'll see something of the Whisperers in the show eventually. But no, I don't think she's a part of that. Not that I've been, you know, I have a very great track record in, in predicting things, uh, you know, from comic to TV, etc. But, you know, I, I think she is just what she appears to be. I think it's that simple. And yes, she could potentially become a love interest for Carl. And I think that's a reason to have her continue living. And another reason is she's a plot device. I, I mean, I, I hate to depersonalize her there, but she's a plot device for continued conflict between Ron and Carl. Ron is the uh, teenage son of Jesse, right? Yeah. Okay, so she's, you know, a potential plot device in that regard. Now, not that they need an additional excuse to have conflict, because there's something else we can talk about. So... You know, Ron's been sort of playing a wolf in sheep's clothing in a manner of speaking, and I don't mean a literal wolf from the from the wolves group, but, you know, he wants vengeance. He's feeling really bitter that Rick killed his dad, and he's going to take it out either on Carl or on Rick or on both, and basically, you know, he plays up to Rick to, you know, teach me how to use a gun. He gets access to a gun, you know, willingly from Rick. He isn't given ammunition. He's not trusted with that yet. But he apparently breaks into the uh, armory, not breaks in, he sneaks in and tricks the uh, woman who's guarding and steals, steals some ammunition and confronts Carl. Now, when he confronts Carl alone in the garage, right, that's where this happened in the garage of their house after the breakout happened, if I'm not mistaken, or yep. while basically during and after the breakout has happened of the zombies, we're led to believe that something could happen there that happened in the comics in a different way. And what I'm getting at is Carl getting shot for the second time during this entire series. What do you, what do you think about that? Well, when we first saw Ron get the gun, it was like, oh, maybe this is how it's going to happen. Carl's getting shot in the face. Yeah, Carl in the comic books gets shot in the face and loses an eye. And when he recovers, he's eye patch boy from then on out. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought like, okay, maybe this is what they're doing here. My other instinct was Rick was setting him up. Rick gave him a Glock nine millimeter handgun, which I assumed 
Rick gave it to him with no firing pin, so it wouldn't function. I think Rick knew. Well, I thought. My, my suspicions were Rick knew that this kid was up to no good and was trying to set him up. And I suspected he would give him a non-functional gun. And when the kid tried to do something, he'd be like, oh, we got you. That didn't happen either. In the comic You're giving the creators of the show way too much credit and gun knowledge because of your own expertise. But let's not dwell on that too much. It's, it's possible, yeah. The other thing to point out is in the comic book when carl does get shot he gets shot by the mayor of alexandria who in the comic book series is not deanna at all but is a male named we just looked this up a little while ago douglas, douglas right? yep douglas monroe and maybe maybe that's where we should go next is how that crazy scene unfolded in the comic book and that's sort of the cliffhanger for the end of of the mid-season finale right yeah yeah so you know, basically, we have Deanna in the end. She's the mayor. She she gets bitten. That's another part of the, what happens in this episode. In the melee, in the in the fracas after the zombies break in, she's trying to like you know be a leader. So she's standing you know right there with Rick as Rick's firing off his uh, 357 Magnum or 44 Magnum. I'm sorry, I'm not the gun expert. You are, but he's firing off his Magnum at, at the incoming zombies, and she's right right alongside him, shooting along. And apparently, she gets tripped up and injured. And some zombies fall on her, and it doesn't really look like it could happen from that circumstance, but she gets bitten. And uh, at the end of the episode, you know, we have her, you know, we accept that she's going to die because we know she's bitten. Everybody in the group knows she's bitten. And they're tending to her, and they're trying to be compassionate and human beings about it. In fact, we even have one scene where after she's left alone for a little bit, we hear the baby crying. We hear little, uh, what's her face crying? Ruth? Whatever her name is. Uh, Judith. Not Ruth. We, we, yeah, we hear yeah, the baby yeah. crying, and Rick runs into the room to see Deanna after she's been bitten, leaning into the crib, and that's all we see, and we're led to believe, oh my god, here's Zombie Mayor is going to be eating little Judith. But no, she heard the baby crying, she was still very much alive, she crawled over there and wanted to hold the baby, as she said, one last time. So, uh, why don't you, you know, let me know what you're, what exactly you want to get at here with, uh, you know, the, the cliffhanger aspect. Do you want to talk about what we believe is going to happen or what the what the viewers of the episode and not the readers of the comic think? I'll go from the comic perspective since that's really where my background is and you can tell me if you agree disagree or what you think. But in the in the comic book series, they are all escaping out of the house like they do in the TV show and everyone's hand in hand and they're moving through the herd of zombies trying to I guess get out of town. I, I don't remember what their plan was, but they're pulling the old meat costume, right? They're, they're doing the old meat costume routine. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's covered in zombie gore as to blend in. And in the TV show, we see Sam going, Mom, Mom, Mom. Well, in the comic book, there's no Sam. She, uh, Jesse only has one kid. It's Ron, and that's it. But for whatever reason, they divided that character into two characters for the TV show, Sam and Ron. I guess they wanted an older son and a younger son. So he basically alerts the herd of zombies to the fact that these people aren't zombies and they start attacking Rick and company as they're trying to walk through the crowd to, you know, at one point, since they're all hand in hand, I believe it's the little kid starts getting pulled by a zombie, which in turn is a tug of war that starts pulling Jesse, which in turn is a tug of war that starts pulling Carl and Rick has to make the decision. How do I save my son? And what does he do? Like, I guess he chops Jesse's arm off with a hatchet. Yeah, they're all holding order. hands and, like, you know, everybody's holding each other's hand. And Carl is trapped in the comics. Carl is trapped because she's holding his Carl's arm. 
you know, as they're chaining their way through the zombie crowd. Yeah, exactly. So he chops her hand off and leaves her and uh, her son to die so that he can save Carl. At which point, Douglas, the mayor in the comic book series, starts wildly shooting a gun into the herd of zombies and hits Carl in the face. And, you know, we talked about this. Is Carl going to get shot? One thing I pointed out was Carl is holding Judith underneath his little poncho of zombie gore. So maybe Carl still gets shot, but that's how they write Judith off of the, the show. Because, I mean, why should you be toting a baby around the zombie apocalypse? It seems absurd that that would be a possibility, right? I mean, a lot of people think that Judith is unkillable just because the creators and you know mainstream television AMC doesn't want to have to kill off an infant. I'm not sure that I completely buy into that, and I certainly see your angle of it maybe a little bit stronger, and that is what purpose is Judith really serving to the storyline, to the plot? I mean, really, she was supposed to have been killed off a long time ago when the governor attacked the prison was when she was when Judith was supposed to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Judith and Lori both are supposed to die during that escape scene when he was uh, when the governor was attacking the prison. And I don't even remember now. My memory is terrible. How did Lori die? Did she just die in childbirth? Was that? Oh, come on. That's very important. So she uh, she did not die in childbirth. She uh, was bitten. And at some point when they were clearing the prison, I forget the circumstances that led her into the bowels of the prison. But Carl was with her and she got bitten and she. Oh, yeah, and he yes, shot her. and she, you know, basically begged or instructed Carl to shoot her. And that was, I, I guess I want to say it was Carl's coming-of-age moment. It was the moment where he turned from child to man. And, you know, we saw the rest of the development of his character really kind of follow along like a caboose with his, with, from that moment. And, but that was the moment where he, you know, he really evolved. Yeah, and this sort of illustrates the point that even though we're saying here's what happens in the comic book series, they change so much uh you know that like i said i had a hard time remembering how lori died because in the comic book series i i remember vividly they're running away from the prison trying to escape and her and judith get gunned down so trying to keep which storyline is which straight in my mind gets harder and harder as the series both the comic book which is ongoing and the tv show as they get longer and longer so when we say like okay carl gets shot in the face during this scene of them trying to walk out of the house covered in zombie gore maybe you know like they change so much stuff that we couldn't say for sure that that's going to happen. Oh, there's so much that could happen out of this that it's almost impossible to predict. So uh, aside from talking about what we know happened in the comics, you know, we could talk about the importance of the different characters in, in the plot. Now, I mean, on one hand, you have the, as you mentioned, they split her, Jesse's kids into two. So mm -hmm. what that says is to me, one of them minimum is going to live through this sequence. The question is which one? Probably the one worth saving for the plot, anyway, is going to be Ron, and that's because of his relationship with Enid, his relationship between Rick and Carl, and his need for vengeance. I think he's a lot more of a fleshed-out character. Yeah, Sam, I mean, I don't know. He had those few episodes where he interacted with Carol. He, he was just kind of a weird kid. He wasn't a complete character at all, so you have to assume that and in the last episode jesse's like just pretend you're not scared pretend you're not a little baby <laughs> actually pretty demeaning you know i uh there's another thing so when we're going to go into the speculation and we're going to talk about something that else that happened in the comics that never happened in the tv show so another thing that came up was the sons of what was the farmer maggie's father it would have been herschel, herschel. it was herschel's herschel in the comics also had two boys and the boys 
sort of developed into these sort of uh, insane little psychotic little bastards. And they were, they did something, I forget whether they killed some some little other children or they, they did something kind of like disturbing and disgusting. I forget what led to it. But Carl ended up killing them both, like out of, I guess, justice, the need to like meet out justice. Well, nobody else wanted to do right. it. Everyone was like, it needs to be done. And right. then Carl was like, screw it, I'll do That's it. right. Okay. So we have the opportunity for that plot line to be reintroduced. And not for nothing, I want to point out that I was starting to get, like, Sam was really starting to rub me wrong. Now, it's funny, Jason Alexander on uh, The Talking Dead for the season finale was basically, without having any knowledge of the comics or talking about it, he was talking about how he just wanted to see Sam get it, that Sam was an annoying character, that he almost couldn't wait to die. And I'm seeing that even a little bit deeper. I'm seeing that Sam is beyond weak and maybe, like, mentally damaged in some kind of, like, fearful way. Oh, he's certainly a liability of the group, Yes, right? that's what I'm getting at. He's more than a liability. He's uh, he's disturbed. Think about the statement that was made to him, and I forget who said it. It might have been Carol, who sort of reaffirmed to him that, yes, killing the dead people is good. Killing people can be good. Even, I think, Carol made a point to, to telling them uh, that you have to kill in order to stay alive kind of thing. And I'm seeing that maybe he could become the, the murderous little bastard that one of Herschel's sons were. And we could see that plot line go into it. So there's one way that maybe we don't see an arm get cut off. Maybe we don't see Jesse's arm get cut off. Maybe we don't see either one of them die in the you know new episode for next se- you know next midseason. Maybe we do, and it's really hard to say because there's so many different ways this can go. And each character of these two sons, while we know they're ultimately expendable, right? Yeah. Well, it would seem like they're setting it up for the uh, you know the shit to hit the fan, right? Like they're the closing scene was Sam like whimpering, mom, 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 whatever. And then I don't know. Did the zombies start to register? I don't remember they're, if they're I'm setting imagining that or not. They're setting it up for it to meet out what we as comic fans have grown to expect. But you know what? I'm not sure that I, I could believe that either. Like that would almost seem a little too obvious uh, of something for them to continue doing and feed us, you know, what happens as opposed to twisting it around in some way to surprise the comic fans, too. I mean, we've already seen that happen many, many times already, where things didn't play out according to the way they did in the comics, but there was sort of a weird parallel. Maybe a different character gets killed, a different character gets damaged, etc., and so on. Oh, sure, yeah. They, they do it routinely. Now, here's something I wanted to bring up, and I didn't mention this to you in passing, because I wanted your, like honest reaction when i don't know two three days after the show had aired there was a little news blurb going around rotten tomatoes had 22 critic reviews for this mid-season finale and it was the worst reviewed episode of the entire history of the show i think it came in at around i don't know 25 27 percent something of that nature it was it was critically panned I didn't feel like it was terrible. I don't even know if I'd say it was bad, but I wasn't exactly surprised that it was panned either. I mean, they weren't like super proper cliffhangers. You know what I mean? It was kind of like just unfinished. It felt like it felt like they missed five minutes or something. Well, I think where they failed there, first of all, Rotten Tomatoes is what it is, right? Critics are what they are, and they're looking for things that maybe fans aren't necessarily going to agree with or disagree with. 
And um, the first question I want to ask you is the number you're quoting, was that that was the critic rating and not the fan rating? Yeah, it was uh, 27% out of 22 critic ratings, like actual, because, yeah, the fan ratings was in the hundreds. Yeah, that that is what it is, and I'm not really going to pay too much attention to that. So, first of all, we have, as a season finale, could could we criticize it? And, I mean, was it, like, great or wonderful? I mean, I enjoyed it. I didn't have negative thoughts about it, so I'll start with that. But as far as how other people might view it or how it was produced and now to maybe, you know, nitpick a little bit, I think some of the cliffhanging aspects of it were not focused on enough and they weren't part of the marquee message. And the first one I sort of brought up, and that's the situation that Maggie was left in. Uh, the second one is something that we both missed, and we mentioned this last week, if I'm not mistaken, that we missed the post credit sequence. And I think that's kind of a big cliffhanging moment. Uh, I did get to see it because I had heard about it uh, being talked about, and I you know, went and, and watched it online. And for that matter, I mean, I also had the episode uh, recorded. And as well, they had shown it during the, the previous week on a couple of AMC's uh, sort of commercial uh, promotion spots, self-promotion spots. And that is, you know, that the saviors are introduced, that Negan is introduced indirectly. He's, you know, confirmed aside from we already knew that a uh, an actor was cast to play him. But uh, essentially we have, you know, Daryl and company getting pulled over <laughs> by a bunch of guys on motorcycles and assault rifles, which that kind of bothered me, that sequence. Like, really, you see these guys in the middle of the road from a distance and you're going to drive right up to them? That It didn't make sense in, in the character portrayal sense but that's a cliffhanger bottom line is that's a cliffhanger what's going to happen here we have these three characters that are you know confronted by this new group and you know they're being demanded to hand over all of their weapons and goods and the the, the mints that fell down the crack of the seat so to speak they want everything it all belongs to negan now so that's one cliffhanger the maggie situation is another cliffhanger we have them trying the meat suit plan again i mean will it work won't it work the last time we saw it it worked but we don't know, so there's a cliffhanger. It, the whole episode is fraught with cliffhangers. It's just that none of them are that who shot JR moment, right? None of them are that, like, we have to find out the specific answer to the specific question as soon as the next, in this case, mid-season begins. Yeah, I mean, on top of the things you already mentioned, there was the situation with Morgan and Carol and the doctor lady that got taken hostage by the by the wolf character that Morgan was trying to keep hostage. That whole scenario, by the way, was ridiculous. Like, how how did Morgan and Carol end up getting into this this fight and like the bad guy wasn't re restrained at all? I don't know. I I can't even imagine how that actually. Well, happened. he had his hands bound. He just wasn't tethered to anything. And I mean, I, I'm going to explain that away as to Morgan when he was being held captive by Eastman. Part of Eastman's shtick was the door was open the whole time when he puts him in the little jail cell room. You could have walked out anytime you like. The, the, I never locked you up. So I think it was maybe a little bit of that, uh, that Morgan was trying to pull his, uh, you know, zombie monk routine uh, that he learned from from Eastman and, and help to convert this alpha wolf guy back to, you know, humanity which none of us believe, none of us buy. And least of all, Carol doesn't buy it either. And that's what drives the conflict. Is And this is what doesn't make sense is though, why in the middle of the zombie apocalypse, you got this guy, you got this guy, if he's a threat, he's, you know, he's in the basement. Why do you have to like push this to confrontation now? Really? I mean, like Carol now is when you're going to pick a fight with Morgan and, 
you know, potentially kill him or die yourself in order to kill this prisoner. It, it just, it didn't make a lot of sense in the, in, in the timeline of things going on. But I mean, I got why she wanted to do it. Right. I mean, she knows. No, it was just poor time. Yeah. She knows best. And we, we as fans know that she knows best. She just always has the right instincts. She pulls the right moves. She's always just brutally effective and she's rapidly becoming uh, possibly my favorite character on the show. And I think a lot of other people's as well. So, yeah, that's another cliffhanger. I mean, we don't see Carol and Morgan in a particular world of hurt. I mean, basically, they're just both unconscious or barely regaining consciousness when the uh, wolf escapes with Dr. Denise as his hostage. What do we think of her chances? Uh, I'm going with 0% personally. <laughs> well, I I'm going to say this. Her chances are great if Carl gets the shot in the face because it, there's got to be an answer for that, right? There's got to be a, a mechanism in, in the plot to deal with that. But otherwise, I, I don't think Carl's getting shot in the face. I don't think that they want to deal with that from a production standpoint. I don't think they want to have the uh, the actor and the, the character of Carl walking around uh, wearing an eye patch for the remainder of the, you know, however long the series lasts. Uh, so, yeah, I'm thinking Dr. Denise, uh, her lifespan is very, very short at this point. And it's just a question of, are we going to see Morgan you know, maybe kind of pull off some kind of heroics. Maybe it's going to hit him that, like, you know what? Carol was right. I did the wrong thing. I need to practice my monk foo thing here a little bit with more of a balance and a little bit more of reality. And maybe he's going to go out and save her. But I guess that's sort of a cliffhanger. But in the end, we just really don't care too much about Dr. Denise, do we? No, probably not. Here, here's a question mark for me. And they didn't make a huge deal out of it, so... Maybe we as fans made more of a big deal out of it than the producers of the show. But two, three episodes ago, Rick got cut. And we were like, what does that mean? Does that Because Rick's supposed to lose his hand in the comic book series. Maybe that was how they were going to have Rick lose his hand. He gets a hand infection, whatever. And we know that they can save a person from turning if they amputate. So that was sort of what we expected to happen because otherwise why would they even illustrate that he got cut i thought it uh, too but they didn't pay any more attention to it they you know no it just went went to the wayside, went to the wayside. I, in my mind i think that the creators are just you know in plain english they're effing with the comic fans that was a way that they had to sort of like suggest something to comic fans and just completely yank it away and i think that they, in the creation of the show the production the writing and everything else of the tv show I think they are very mindful of the fact that there's a, a, a solid audience out there that, A, they don't want to ruin the, their own television show for that audience, and, B, they don't want that audience ruining it for the television audience. Otherwise, people like us are going to be giving away the plot lines right and left. Uh, I suppose, yeah. I, I don't have any other explanation for it. I mean, like I said, they made it enough of a point to make people notice it and question it, but then nothing since then. So now, something that I noticed, and I don't know that this is anything terribly important, but it was just something that I contemplated as I watched this episode in particular, and maybe it should have occurred to me earlier, but I felt like throughout this season, one of the recurring themes of the show was to sort of suggest what the possible courses could have, should have, would have, might be for our, the group, the quote-unquote group. And the thing that we have to talk about here is each sort of existing other group or beings sort of represents that. I mean, we have the Alexandrians. They're all naive and peaceful and they want to sort of progress society and advance civilization again. And then we have the wolves, who are like this feral primal group. And 
basically they just want to destroy and survive only to only to destroy really we're also at the end of the episode where of the mid-season finale we're introduced to the saviors and they're sort of a control strong arm group that's going to be preying off of everybody weaker than them so we and then of course there's the walking dead right so our group rick's group could become with a little bit of nudge and a little bit of inertia in any direction it could become any of these things and the theme is which which of these things is rick going to develop in himself because very often his character development sort of defines the rest of the group and of course which way is the rest of the group going to go when we had a lot of intra-group conflict between people that wanted to believe and wanted to trust the Alexandrians and wanted to become more civilized and embrace living in, in this little uh, in this little enclave of society and then we had Enid who with her whole JSS thing and wants to go out and be a loner you see a lot of different angles for how people could become so that was really, I guess, the last thing that I wanted to discuss in this week's podcast. you have any thoughts on that guy? You know, I didn't really tune into that as much as you did. I I typically don't get, like, super contemplative and existential about things, be it movies, books, whatever. I understand that the filmmakers or TV makers or whatever you want to call them in this case are often trying to do that. They're trying to create a message and like a deeper theme for people to think about. But I I don't know. I'm kind of oblivious to that. Usually I'm, I'm just like a first level thinker when it comes to stuff like that. You know, I'm not, I'm not looking for the meaning behind stuff. That said, you mentioned the number of different paths they could have gone on. I don't know. Did you mention the most obvious one is that they could probably, and will probably just stay the course, be the, you know, quintessential survivor and leaders of the zombie apocalypse. Absolutely. They could they could be the defining survival group, and it could be something that is none of the above and maybe just their own thing. Well, I mean, we've, we've talked about the episode. I don't think we missed any glaring points. We're probably not going to be talking about Walking Dead for uh, on any of our podcasts for a while. The uh, show will return in February. I don't, I don't believe they've announced a specific date yet, but their website says it will come back in February. So we'll, we'll see it then, and we'll almost certainly start talking about it uh, with the new episode so that we could finish off where we left from this week. And in between, uh, anything that you might want to talk about in the coming weeks in the podcast? Uh, Yeah, you know what? They just released, I thought maybe we could sneak it in today, but probably we'll save it for the next one. They just released, is it a new one or the first one? I think it's the first trailer for the X-Men Apocalypse movie, and we like to speculate on things. We talked about the trailer for uh, Civil War at Ad Nauseam last week, and yeah, so I don't know. I'd like to talk about that, the X-Men movie franchise as a whole, maybe, and, you know, like I said, focus in on what we expect from the X-Men Apocalypse, the upcoming feature film yeah we could talk about that we could talk about the batman vs superman trailer we probably won't be talking too much about star wars for a while even though that movie's coming out in about a week from now on the 16th and uh i guess there's a couple of tv shows that are maybe worth talking about i've been i know i've been watching into the badlands we'll get into that maybe in one of the coming weeks and otherwise i think that's pretty much it for today Yep, it sounds good. We'll be back in a week or thereabouts with the next episode. Thanks to everybody that tuned in and listened.